Welcome to the latest edition of the Sharp Angles Betting and DFS Show. My name is Todd Burrows, and I am your host, and I will not be joined this week by my partner, Ryan Crystal. Uh, pinch hitting is the jack of all trades, the editor at large at Sharp Football Analysis, and one of the OGs of content in this space, Raymond Summerlin. And we will go over the Thursday night games. Ray will give some of the reasoning behind Ryan's props as they were huddled for hours today going over so that we could give you exactly Ryan's thoughts. And I will give you a lot of my early thoughts for DFS this week, and I'm looking forward to bouncing them off of Ray. So uh, first, I, I got to say it's spooky season, but the only scary thing from your sharp football family is how big of a sale we're running. We are going to give you 50% off site-wide with the promo code Halloween. We aren't giving out candy, but instead of those annoying houses that give out pencils or toothbrushes, we're giving out a massive discount, 50% off site-wide. You can apply it to anything, fantasy, betting, weekly, rest of the season, and you can take the other 50% and buy your own candy. Just use the promo code Halloween. The offer expires at midnight on Halloween. Also, if you could please subscribe and give the thumbs up on our YouTube channel if you are watching or if you listen to us via audio podcast, please like and review the podcast as it really does help us both personally and as a company to help continue to give great free product weekly. And now, without further ado, Raymond Summerlin. How are you, bud? Doing well. It's it's late for me to be on a podcast. I was already on one this morning with Rich Rebard, so I apologize to everybody that's going to have to hear me uh, twice in a row in their podcast. See, three times in a row. That's even Sunday. Oh, we might be uh, we might be losing subscribers for that as well. Um, it's late. My all the volume's gone from my hair. The ADHD medicine has worn off. Uh, who knows where this is going? There could be some. There could be some tangents. It could get wild here before we get into uh, before we get into Bill's bucks. Yeah, it's been about a quarter of a century since my hair was lustrous, so um, you know uh, we, we, I won't mention any much any much more how much I hate you at this point. So um, really yeah. excited to do this with you. Um, you know, I, I I was kind of joking about you and Ryan spending hours together, but. I know you're going to give um, a lot of the reasonings behind why Ryan is so excited about some of these picks. And uh, hopefully we will have Ryan back next week. So let's start with the man named DJ Moore in Chicago, Tyler Bajant or Bajant. I'm not sure exactly how he. Uh, I was told uh, Bajant. I, I was told Bajant. So I've been going with that. All right. Well, um, that dude is going to uh, be throwing at DJ Moore, uh, and, yep. and Ryan likes the over on receiving yards. I, yeah, he. I think all the overs for DJ Moore kind of work. He said take the over on any on receptions, actually five or five and a half receptions or higher. But I do think you could look at receiving yards as well. The thing I'll say about well, first of all, here's the rationale. It's it's really straightforward. Uh, Bajant has thrown 43 passes so far this season. 
15 of those have gone to DJ Moore. That is a 34.8% target share. That is an elite target share. Like that is that is Stefan Diggs target share. That is what we're talking about here. Uh he has been he has been throwing the ball at DJ Moore a lot. And the other thing you like about the reception side of this prop, I do think that you could look at the receiving yards and and maybe think about an over especially based on what DJ Moore can do kind of after the catch. But the reason you're looking specifically at receptions is the way they the Bears ran this offense last week is they were not throwing the ball down the field. Bajan averaged 2.0 air yards per target. Just four of his passes traveled 10 yards or further down the field. The longest was 15 yards. They threw it around the line of scrimmage a lot. And for a receptions prop, that's great because the expected completion rate on those throws is going to be higher. The expected catch rate for DJ Moore is going to be higher. So for him to get six or seven catches, he's not going to need as many targets as he would if he was maybe being used further down the field. And so I think that adds a lot of credence to this. Maybe maybe the receiving yards, you know, you can kind of quibble with it if he's only when he's getting those those types of targets. I also, you know, think about that doesn't really attack the weakness of this Chargers defense. The weakness of this Chargers defense is down the field. So maybe they do try to throw it a little more down the field. But either way, I mean, when when this DJ Moore prop came up last week, and I think it was only four and a half last week, we absolutely smashed it at the website. We said that line makes no sense, and we smashed it. Uh, whatever it ends up being this week, if it's five and a half or lower, I think you just do the same thing because very obviously Bajan is targeting targeting DJ Moore a lot. Speaking of smashing, <clears throat> don't forget to smash the like button if you liked Ray's comments. And Ray, did I hear you correctly that DJ Moore, so far with Tyler Bajant, has a 34% target share? Now, you said that it close was, enough. 34.8%. So you said to me, 34.8%. I didn't hear you wrong. Give us some other players who are in that range of target share. I actually don't have, I guess off the top of my head, I don't know all of them, but off the top of my head, that is, we are in the Stefan Diggs. We are in the, the Tyreek Hill. We are in the Justin Jefferson. I don't believe is quite there. Even when he's, even when he's healthy, um, I guess Cooper cup last season, Puka Nakua before Cooper cup showed up. That's the kind of target share that we're we're looking at is we're looking at one of the best target shares, one of the top target shares in the league. If this if this continues, and so um, anybody above thirty percent is elite. If you're above thirty percent target share, you are elite. And he's hovering closer to thirty five. So just really, really a an impressive kind of showing there. Yeah, I'm getting older, so I'm glad I clarified that, and that you gave it more context. Moving on. Um, the, the, the next player's name might be downs, but we're going over. We're going over on Josh Downs receptions and Ryan put in the article four and a half or four and a half or lower catches on his receptions. And that's because we expected this line to go up. We've been betting this line. I know Ryan's been on this line for several weeks. I bet this line every single week that Gardner Minshew has started. I bet this line and the over has hit on Josh Downs receptions. And then it opened up today. I saw it today and it opened up at three and a half. So a catch lower than even where we would, where we would end up taking it. There's a ton of juice on the over. I believe I, I looked 
at DraftKings before I before we got on here, and it was minus 166 to take the over. So I assume that we're going to be moving to four and a half pretty quick. But even at four and a half, I'm I'm still taking this prop. Josh Downs has been the target on 22.2% of Garner Minshew's throws this season. So not quite DJ Moore, but that's still a really good target share. He's not been under five catches since week four, and week four was with Anthony Richardson. He's gone under three and a half catches just twice this season. And the thing about this situation is you look at the Saints defense and you say, well, the Saints defense is tough, and that is true. But against the Saints defense and kind of the way they play defense, man coverage, teams tend to target the slot against them. 38% of throws against the Saints have targeted the slot. That's the highest rate in the league. And so even if if you're looking at this matchup and thinking, I don't know about this matchup, that's more of a concern, I think, for Michael Pittman than it is for Josh Downs, who plays a lot more of his snaps in the slot. So at three and a half, it's an automatic bet. At four and a half, I still think it's good. But if you can find it with three and a half with reasonable <laughs> juice on it, I'm, I love this prop. This is probably my favorite prop of the week. That is good to know. Um, Josh Downs was a guy I had been saying uh, all offseason was uh, I, I saw him as discount Zay Flowers. You know, they, they both came out. They both had very similar skill sets early in the process um, for draft season. It was they were pretty close. And then somehow they ended up eight rounds, 10 rounds different. Um, I'm you know, I got a lot of things wrong for best ball this year. Uh, Josh Downs ain't one of them. Um, speaking of things that um, I'm hoping will happen, uh, because I have some really good season-long teams with this player, Mark Andrews, over. Yeah, over on receptions. Ryan has it as four and a half receptions or or lower to take the over. His rationale is that the Cardinals run a lot of too high. They have 58% of their coverage snaps are in too high. That type of coverage invites targets to tight ends, and Mark Andrews is no different. Mark Andrews has a 28% target share against too high coverage this season. Again, was when we're getting close to 30, we're getting close to a, a really good number there. My concern with this one, this one is the one that I'm looking at and going, I don't know about. So I'm interested in, in kind of your thoughts on it. My concern with this one is, are we going to get enough volume if this game gets out of hand? We already saw last week, when the Ravens just absolutely put it on the Colts that we didn't get that volume. Now, and Andrews, I believe, would have gone over this last week uh, anyway, but we saw Lamar Jackson only throw it 27 times. Are we going to see something similar here if if the Ravens really you know crush the Cardinals? That line, I believe, is uh, eight and a half right now. No, it's up to nine and a half on the road, so they're nine and a half favorite point favorites on the road, which you don't see a ton of. <coughs> What I will say to that, by the way, is that double-digit home dogs tend to do very good against the spread, or at least historically have. So maybe that's something to think about if you're thinking if this game's going to be close or not. Will we get Kyler Murray back? I don't know. So there's a lot of there's a lot of ifs going into this game. But I think just kind of looking at it, the way it's set up right now and what the spread is, I would be worried about volume. But from a matchup perspective, this is a great matchup for Mark Andrews. Yeah, Sam, I will have Ray. Um... You could see Sam Holderman ask, great show. Would you please summarize all the picks near the end? Um, I will have Ray summarize them with what we're over and under on so that it can be all in one place for you. Very, very good request. Thank you, Sam, for jumping in. Um, you know, my thoughts on this, um, and, and by the way, if you are listening, um, we love when you have comments, um, especially if, you know, it's a comment about, 
information that we're talking about, uh, questions about the slate, DFS, um, uh, you know, please feel free to jump in. And um, we love when you guys uh, contribute to the show. So um, my thoughts is um, I rock and I roll, um, but I look like I roll more than I rock. Um, so what we, will, what we will do is I will say this. I was thinking of the, the Kyler factor is kind of a – I love hidden little upsides. And the fact that Kyler might play definitely could be a hidden little upside. But um, let me ask you, what is the uh, – because Mark Andrews is more of a big play guy, I'm more likely to look at Mark Andrews over yards than I am over receptions. Um, what is his yards per catch, if you can look it up, and what is the, the bet on – you know? And let's look at it mathematically, and maybe we can see where the receiving yards over makes a little bit more sense. So I looked at his receiving yard over while I was while I was kind of taking some notes for this because I agree with you. That is something that is is very interesting to me. If we're if we're worried about volume, but we know that Andrews, especially for a tight end, can create big plays, his yards per reception, this year is 12.8 which is right at his career average and so which is right where which is elite right. for a tight end absolutely yeah that is elite for a tight end um actually his we don't have his receiving yardage total up yet i guess that they've taken all of these down now with the with the kyler news but i seem to remember it being somewhere around like 55 57 something like that and, and so we're getting that, into the, the catch me? the catches was at what Four and a half is kind of what we're what all we're right. Expecting. So four and a half, 48 and six is 54, 50, you know. So it, it's it's right there. I'm much it's more right likely in that case uh to look at the over for the yardage. Let's get to our last one. Um, and it, you know, we always seem to have a yardage under this week. Brian Robinson is the longest run for him under uh what is the prop and what is ryan's thoughts and your thoughts as well ray so i i love that ryan ryan is all over these longest run over and unders and it has been a very profitable it's one of those things that i believe goes overlooked and i think the lines are a little bit soft by the way if you play on underdog if you if you play pick them on underdog they do a lot of completion rates as well for quarterbacks, which to me have seemed soft as well. So there's a lot of kind of these interesting bets that that make props that make props a little bit more fun than taking the sides. If you're taking the side or you're taking a total, that has been bet by really smart people with lots of money, and that is a that is a very well calibrated line. It's hard to get value on them. Some of these props, especially these lesser used props like longest rush. I think you could start to find some value on him. He likes the longest rush under on Brian Robinson at 11 and a half yards or higher. The kind of the way he looks at these and the way he talks about them, and I think it makes a lot of sense is to get a long run. You need to get yards before contact, something like 85% of 15 yard runs start with three yards, at least three yards uh, before contact for running backs. And so if you're looking at, a situation where you're not expecting them to get a ton of yards before contact, then you're not going to expect a lot of 
long runs. And commander's backs have been contacted at or behind the line of scrimmage 50% of the time. The Eagles are second in the league, allowing just 3.3 yards per carry to running backs. They've been a very, very good run defense. And you look at all of that and you say, okay, the under makes sense, even if we expect Brian Robinson to get a full workload. But the other side of this is we've started to see more of an early down split in Washington between Brian Robinson and between the rookie Chris Rodriguez. Last week, Chris Rodriguez handled 41.2% of the running back carries. He had just one fewer carry than Robinson. And if you look over the past few times that Robinson has been active, he's now gone from zero carries, 0% of the running back carries, to last week or two weeks ago was 23.5% of the running back carries. And last week was 41.2% of the running back carries. This is a trending towards at best for Brian Robinson, a timeshare. And so if you're giving him fewer opportunities to get this long rush and he has the issues that he's going to have in this matchup. And I mean, we see the, the commanders are happy to drop back and throw a lot and just let Sam Howell take as many sacks as possible. They're happy to do that even in neutral game script. If this game gets away from them with the Eagles, then you're going to expect to do that. There's a lot working against Brian Robinson here if we're expecting him to get longer than a you know a 12-yard run in this game. Yeah, I was um, glad and sad that you brought up Chris Rodriguez because if you hadn't, I would have. Um, and, you know, one thing we've learned is a lot of times uh, we call it the steady drumbeat, right? And Chris Rodriguez has had a pretty steady drumbeat right from the beginning. He's a favorite of Eric Bieniemy's, And um, I, I think this actually might be a better bet than uh, Josh Downs, to be honest. Um, I, I really, really like this one. Um, that's the last one. So as we mentioned, Ray, why don't you give us a summary? Include the Thursday ones. Include mine, if you can remember it. And um, and, and then we'll move on to the DFS section. Yeah, absolutely. I do want to add one thing about, about <laughs> that um, about that drumbeat, that kind of Rodriguez part about it. Is That is, if you can notice these trends early then you can really start to get some value. And the problem is, is that you're not going to get a ton of like DFS value, which we're going to talk about in a second. You're not going to play Rodriguez, but those are the kind of things you can get a lot of value. And so if you see that those trends, you can get some unders. So not even just the Brian Robinson longest rush under, I think you could get, you could, you could play every Brian Robinson under and you might win all of them this week. And so it's a, you know, it's a really interesting situation, but the ones, the props that we've talked about here, Josh Allen, rush yards under, 23 and a half. I believe you had Rashad White receiving yards over 21 and a half for tonight. DJ Moore receptions over. There's no line here, but anything five and a half or lower. Josh Down receptions over, over three and a half receptions. Hopefully you can get that before it moves to four and a half because it looks like it's it's going that way. Mark Andrews reception over anything four and a half catches or lower. And then Brian Robinson's longest rush under anything 11 and a half yards or higher. Those are our props. Now let's move on. Talk about some DFS. Todd's neck of the woods, the DFS. So what are some of your early thoughts here on, on the slate, specifically as we look at quarterbacks? How are you viewing quarterbacks this week? What are you kind of looking at? Where are you starting your lineups? You know, Ray, I absolutely will. But I do want to just take a second and remind everyone that it's spooky season. And the only scary thing from Sharp Football family is how big of a sale we're running we're going to give you 50% off site-wide with the co promo code Halloween. We're not giving out candy as race, you know, 
uh, alluded to. Um, uh, I, I certainly know I don't need candy, but if you save 50% on your Sharp subscription for the week, you have plenty of money to go and buy all the candy you want. Just use the promo code Halloween. And remember, the offer expires at midnight on Halloween. So, <clears throat> you know, just a reminder for those who are listening or watching or will listen or watch later, the purpose of this show is to identify early trends in DFS, not to give you plays, right? Because so much can change between now and then. But in and, and to kind of give you some overreaching thoughts that you need to consider. One of the biggest ones this week is going to be if Brock Purdy sits, Sam Darnold is showing clearly as the best value on the slate. Ownership is showing at 10%, which is fine. Um, but he's 4,300, and I would bet in GPPs by the time we get to Sunday, he'll, he'll he's going to end up between 15 and 20%. I think a lot of people are going to want him. You've also got the fact that Debo uh, is out, and that means there's less people uh, that could take the pie. So um, that's always good. Tight distribution is something you want in DFS. So, um, And if I play that game and I do decide to go with it, don't forget to bring back a good amount with Joe Burrow. He's continuing to get healthier. Um, you know, Jamar Chase is an elite bring back. Uh, T. Higgins has an extra week to get healthy as well. Um, I think that if Joe Burrow stays at his current ownership, he is a very interesting play. Now, on the top end, Jalen Hurts against the Redskins. He's currently at 10% ownership. Who? What? The Manders. Man, we're going back. Oh, shoot. Did I do it again? Um, so. Um, Against the Commanders. Yeah. yeah I, and I do it all the time, by the way. It, it's, you know. No, it's, I, it's hard I, I, to get. It's hard to get out of that mode when you've called a team one thing for 20 years. It gets stuck in your brain. I've called them the Oakland Raiders probably seven times already this, yeah. this year. And, it's hard and, to get and, out of your brain. It, it has nothing to do with caring about political correctness or not caring about political correctness. It is literally a brain fart. Um, uh, so, uh, you know, I was I started watching football in 1969. So that is a long time to have time. something in my yeah. brain. Um, and uh, But let's move on to Jalen Hurts, currently at 10% yeah. ownership, but the commanders are a team we want to attack every week. So he's firmly on my radar. Patrick Mahomes, similar pricing, similar ownership right now versus Denver. Uh, but to me, Denver has been playing a little bit better lately. Um I prefer Jalen Hurts if I'm paying up this week. Ray, what's your thoughts on the two of them? I, I agree with you on who we're looking at. Uh, the other thing I'll say about that is we need to remember that Washington gave Philadelphia a game. They forced them to overtime. They forced Jalen Hurts to really have to throw, and that was the beginning. I believe that was the beginning of this scorching A.J. Brown streak that we're on now. And so, you know, we'll see what they're able to do against this defense. We'll see if maybe that was just a just a fluke. 
but maybe we see maybe we see a little bit more back and forth in that game than than we expect. And your point about Denver's defense is good. I mean, the last time the Chiefs played played Denver, that was what two weeks ago, and Mahomes had 306 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. Not great, but not bad. And that's kind of been the story of Mahomes' season. Mahomes has been good this season, but we haven't really seen those you know those spike weeks. We did last week get more of that spike week, but that was. That was the first time we had seen it in a while. It seems like the Chiefs are happy to get a lead and kind of sit on the ball a little bit. Um, I don't know, like I don't know what the real upside here is for for Mahomes, especially if Kansas City's de- defense is as good as we think it is. Then are the Broncos going to be able to score? So I think there are a lot of questions here. Obviously, it's Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes could go out and throw for. 500 yards and four touchdowns and no one would bat an eye. But I do think there, there are at least some, there's some questions here. Yeah. And if you're putting Mahomes in the eight thousands and you're putting Kelsey at eight, I think he's eight, five or eight, six, and we'll get to him. Um, you know, you are really limiting yourself. Um, and, you know, uh, and we'll talk about AJ Brown and some of the other ownerships as we go along. Uh, but because it is the, um, Quarterback section, we'll leave it there. Um, C.J. Stroud is up to 6,300, which is going to keep his ownership down, which makes him interesting in GPPs for me. His weapons are very reasonable. And Matt Deutsch is wondering how Bryce Young, how we think about Bryce Young um, coming off of uh, – and and for me, I, I'm still not playing Bryce Young. I know he's cheaper I would rather pay up for C.J. Stroud with the better weapons. Um, Definite major improvement in Bryce Young last week. He is cheaper, uh, but it's not a place I'm looking at, Ray. Your thoughts on both of them this week? I think for Bryce Young, yeah, you're not going to probably go there, although there are changes coming out of the bye, right? They've handed the offensive coaching reins over to Thomas Brown, who is a Sean McVay disciple. We're wondering if we're going to see, you know, we're going to see some changes to this offense. Are we going to see changes to the backfield changes that I know Todd and I will not like, given how much investment we have in Miles Sanders? And, no, I'm uh, the opposite. Oh, you were the other? I thought you were the uh, Miles no, Sanders No, I, I have almost no You're the Sanders. Damon Pierce. Ah, you're the uh, Damon yeah. Pierce. I, I have close to 20% uh, Hubbard. Nice. So yeah, you're gonna really like this change that I think we're about to see. Yeah, but I think I, from a DFS perspective for Bryce Young, and if you're playing 150 lineups and you want to pop in a few Bryce Young, you know, you know, have fun. Uh, I will say that Houston's defense is probably better than better than you think it has been. But the thing about Bryce Young is, can he keep this a game enough to make C.J. Stroud have to throw? A lot of this passing game and success we've seen from a fantasy perspective has been predicated on volume. That has affected Nico Collins more than it has affected maybe Stroud. And so it'll be interesting to see. But the thing about Stroud is you can, it's it's really easy to stack him in this game. You can play Nico Collins. Robert Woods looks like he's not going to play. So you can play Tank Dell. You can play Dalton Schultz if you want to get to Dalton Schultz. And then you can bring back Adam Thielen, who appear, apparently is just going to get 15 targets a game and smash at every price that, that DraftKings puts destroy my him. basketball so, season. Yeah. So like there, there are lots of options here. The one concern I would have, and I love Stroud, one concern I would have is just about are are is there going to be enough pushback for you to really hit that ceiling you need in in you know 
bigger tournaments. And that would be my yeah, one. I, 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 I like him, but it, it, he has to be really low owned. The uh, I got two more at quarterback. One is the ugly play of the year, which is Derek Carr against Indianapolis. Carr, I mean, he's never been a ceiling guy. Uh, Olave got arrested this week for speeding. Um, but the, the Colts are the opposite of the immovable object. And, you know, I think, you know, the way you win money at DFS with it being so top-heavy is to play guys that you don't want to play against teams that most people want to play against. Um, and then the last one I'll throw out, Ray, and I'll get your thoughts before we move on, is right now Tua Tungavaloa, 2.5% ownership. He is not showing as a great value. We found out today that Tyreek Hill will be playing. I think that people are going to be very hesitant playing in the injured Tyreek Hill with Tua, with, you know, how how – uh, how many other good expensive options there are at quarterback? Anytime I can get that Dolphins owner, that Dolphins team at low ownership, I am going to be way over. Your thoughts on my ugliest play of the season and the Dolphins? I think the Dolphins make a ton of sense, kind of game theory wise, especially since if you look at Tua, one of his bad games, well, quote unquote bad games, his less explosive fantasy games already happened in New England this year. And so you're starting to look at that. I believe Mostert didn't have a great game in that in that week either. And so I think that, you know, all of that, all of that plays into maybe people aren't going to be on this offense. And we know what this offense can do. They've been better at home this year. And so we're getting them at home. They are big favorites. So maybe that points a little bit more towards Mostert. But I do think there's a, you know, there's a lot of opportunity here. With Derek Carr, what's really interesting about Derek Carr is, first of all, he has eight career 50 attempt games in his in his entire NFL career. Two of them have happened in the last two weeks. And you look at those attempts, you go, well, is this a change? Their pass rate has been exactly at expected. So it's not like they've shifted heavily to the pass or anything like that. They're not, you know, the Chiefs or the Buffalo Bills. It's just kind of been a game script thing. And so the question becomes, are we going to see a similar game script? And if you look at what the Colts have been doing, the Colts are play fast pace and they force fast pace out of the teams that they're playing. And so maybe we have an opportunity here for Carr to maybe not get to 50, but maybe he gets to 40 to 45 passes. You know, you know he's going to get Alave involved and get Alave a lot of targets. So, yeah, there's there's an interesting path here for Derek Carr. You worry about the ceiling because they cannot score in the red zone. They do not score red zone touchdowns. He cannot throw a touchdown in the red zone. But I, I think that that's, you know, that's an interesting spot for him for sure. What about running back? Kind of where where are we in running backs? What are you kind of looking at? All right. So at running back uh, right now, Brees Hall is the best value at 5,900 and has the mid-20s ownership to match that uh, great no uh, look. Yeah. Uh, but the Giants' D has not been good against the run, so he's firmly on my radar for an even weight or over position. My one hesitancy is I think this is, game is going to be low scoring. Um so as with everything on a Thursday, you're going to have to monitor that. Tony Powered and Alvin Kamara are the next two values, but both are over 7K. And I got to say, as much as I love to Tony Powered, the Cowboys have not been putting him in space 
where he was most effective last year. Um, Ray, you're from Texas. Your thoughts on fading the Astros. I'm sorry. I mean, the... Um, yeah, we still got two of them back here. We're fine. I, I was going to say... I was going to say what happened to the third one, and then I, I, yeah, I think the it's something to there. do with Ted Cruz. And um, anyway, um, you know, uh, your your thoughts on Pollard? So with Pollard, we haven't seen a ton of normal game scripts from the Cowboys. There've been a lot of blowouts either way with this team, and we did get that with the Chargers. I believe Rich Rich Rebar had the stat that the Chargers game before the bye was the first time the Cowboys had run an offensive snap with a game within seven points in the second half this season. And so it had been a very odd start to their season kind of from a script perspective. Are we going to see that again this week? I think the Rams are pretty good. I don't think they're a great team, but they're definitely a mid-pack team. So I think we're going to see a more competitive game. And against the Chargers, Tony Pollard had 87.5% of the of the running back or the backfield touches. And so if that game is going to be kind of more of a normal script game, Pollard's going to get a lot of touches. And your point is the real one. It is the real question. Are we going to see Pollard get back to the big play ways that he had been before this season? And even on increased volume before this season, the volume's not the issue. The issue is that they're not getting him in the right positions to have these big plays. It's an issue for the entire offense. The entire offense isn't creating big plays. And so the Rams are a good matchup. Um, they allow 1.35 yards before contact, which, as we discussed with the props, that's the way you get big runs. So I think that there's some opportunity here. I think, in general, people are soured on Tony Pollard, and I think there's there's some opportunity here in this matchup for him to, to especially at this price, could maybe be a little bit under-rostered and meet a – I'm definitely going to be overweight on Tony Pollard this week. Yeah, I'm going to go the other way with 20% uh, ownership right now, but if that changes – my thoughts might change. If you told me at any point this year that I could get Bijan Robinson at 6K, and thanks to the foolishness that is Arthur Smith, he is. Um, and right now he's at 20% ownership. Um, I know Arthur Smith hates our fantasy teams, but I'm, I, I like I like Bijan at that price. And I think he, you know, Arthur Smith is dumb but not stupid. And I think it would be stupid not to give Bijan a good workload this week. Um, I really like DeAndre Swift. Um, you know, if if uh, the Eagles' passing offense is going to be heavily owned, uh, right now we're not seeing a lot of ownership on Swift. If the game, you know, I love that kind of leverage, and Swift is a guy who has been playing fantastic. Um, Two other names I'll throw out there. Jonathan Taylor is starting to get ramped up. And while New Orleans' run D is no joke, we've already seen the Colts gash two run really good run defensive teams. Um, so I like Taylor at 6,200. Uh, um, and I also, you know, think Daryl Henderson, you know, the Cowboys are more of a no-passing team than they are a, a no-running team. At 4,800, um, I think Henderson is interesting. Uh, Ray, uh, what are your thoughts on those last couple guys? The thing I'll say about Henderson is I do think he's going to play the most snaps because the reason he's playing snaps is pass protection, and that's a concern that the Rams are going to have against the Cowboys. Um, 
Matthew Stafford's really bad against pressure. They have to keep him. They have to keep him upright. The problem with that is that the Rams still don't throw to running backs, and he's going to be blocking a lot. I I don't know how much opportunity is going to be here for him. I think with Henderson, you're hoping he's falling into the end zone, which maybe that happens, and at that price, that can be valuable. What I'll say is that Devin Singletary is even cheaper than Daryl Henderson. He's four hundred dollars cheaper, has a better matchup, and if you looked at what happened before the buy, Singletary was basically neck and neck with Damon Pierce in touches. So we might even have a similar workload split. And so I would rather take the chance on Singletary at 4,400 in a similar workload split, at least it was before the buy, and in a better matchup and kind of just see what happens. That's kind of where I am on the on the cheaper and, and end. What I about should wide receivers? Pierce Strong, who I, I, I oh, like absolutely. better than both of them. Um, I'm, a, I'm kind of a Pierce Strong truther. Um, and Tajay Spears yeah. is 4,700. So there are some, you know, interesting lower-priced running backs. Over at wide receiver, Ray, there's not a lot of ton that I like this week, which means a lot of who I play will be determined by stacking. But a few to consider, uh, Christian Kirk at 5,900 with 10% ownership, Ridley at 58 with almost no ownership, which I guess puts Lawrence in play, even though I didn't mention him at quarterback. Pickens at 5,600, um, Deontay at 5,000. I think both those guys I'd rather play without Pickett, who's showing some ownership. Uh, Tank Dell at 4,900. And somehow, A.J. Brown is still somehow under-owned at 11%. I'll let you talk about them, and then I will come back with my favorite wide receiver of the week. I think the Jacksonville-Pittsburgh game is interesting. I think Calvin Ridley is especially interesting because we've seen his usage flip from early in the season. It pretty much coincides with the Zay Jones injury. He's now being used outside the numbers and down the field almost exclusively as Christian Kirk has taken on more of this. And that's going to kind of necessarily be a more volatile fantasy situation. And we've seen that in Calvin Ridley's performance. This is the type of game in which he could, he could maybe get there and Pickens has had a, Massive target share, even with Deontay back, and Deontay mispractice on Thursday, so we'll kind of keep that up. Pickens has had a massive target share, a massive air yard share. I am very into Calvin Ridley and George Pickens mini stacks this week, and that's going to be in a – those are going to be in a lot of my lineups this week. Yeah, I, I love that. I, I it, You just encouraged what I was already thinking all the more. And my favorite play of the week, and again, ownership could change between now and then, but right now, Cooper Cup, whose salary was 9.5 last week, is down to 9,000, um, and his ownership is at 10%. He put up a, a, one of the rare duds of his career last week, and I know it's not an easy matchup, but I am going to be very, very interested at Cooper Cup. I mean, we've seen him blow every matchup out of the water over the last couple years. Ray, um, would you go with me with uh, an over on Cooper Cup? Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, is that Cup and Puka haven't been getting over at the same time. But part of that has been that they haven't been throwing. You're going to expect them to have to actually drop back and throw in this game. So maybe we're going to get big games you know, out of both of them. One concern is Stafford is bad against pressure. So we'll kind of see that. What about, let's finish up here with tight ends. What do you got against tight ends? Yeah, uh, last thing I'll say, but we've also seen Cup get uh, shorter targets um, when necessary, and I and McVeigh 
you know, one of the things you and I talk a lot about, Ray, is rational coaching and how that affects life. And there's certain people like Arthur Smith who we can never expect rational coaching from. There's some people who we, you know, we get it from sometimes and other times we don't. McVeigh is actually a very rational guy and a, a very smart coach. And I would expect him to not go into that Dallas game looking to throw the ball 15 to 18 yards down the field, even though the receivers have done so well doing that. Over at tight end, the big news is uh, Zach Ertz went on IR. Trey McBride is therefore left at 2,800. You know, I love the player, but I just have like almost a religious conviction against playing cheap tight ends when they're 25 to 30% owned. You would have saved yourself a tremendous amount of money historically if you followed that rule. Um, but I do agree it's a better spot than most of the places. But if I am going to play Trey McBride in GPPs, I am going to make rules that at least one or two low-owned players are in that lineup. Um, you, you just, you just, you know, you want to, uh, if you really want to play him, think about how you want to counterbalance those teams, uh, in case, um, you know, he does go off that you can separate from the field. Um, we already talked a little bit about Travis Kelsey. Um, there really, uh, it's another week where it, it really makes a lot of sense to pick a tight end from the game that you're stacking. Um, if there's nobody you really like, then what you need is a touchdown. Touchdowns are so variant. You know, one of the key things to consider in DFS is you want to narrow the number of things you need to get right. And one way to do that is by adding a tight end to the stacks. But I will throw out one more name, Ray, and then I will ask you if you have any names at tight end. But I like Irv Smith. Right now, he has zero ownership. It's a game that we like. You know, we all keep saying that he's a talented guy. But we've seen over the last couple years with Joe Burrow, out of nowhere, tight ends have monster games. Uh, Who's the backup um, on the Jets right now? Uh, the backup CJ was CJ Ozama. He had two games that you had to have a couple years ago. Uh, last year, Hayden Hurst had one of those games. I uh, it, it makes no sense. Irv Smith's been on the field but hasn't gotten the targets. But guess what? That's when we've had the issue. You know, all of a sudden he goes off. Um, that's my thoughts on the tight end position, Ray, and I'll give you the final word. I think your call on Trey McBride is good. And I think the other part of it is, I mean, his expected target share at that price, you just have to have exposure. It is what it is. But the Ravens have absolutely mauled opposing tight ends, giving up 4.7 yards per target, which is the second best, giving up zero touchdowns to tight ends. They give up the fewest fantasy points per game to tight ends. There's, this is not a good spot for him, even if the target share is going to be there. And so that's something to think about. I am, we didn't get it on Monday night, but I'm interested if we're going to see a George Kittle spike week. It was a fine week for George Kittle, but you know, 
his stats with Debo Samuel or Brandon Ayuk, either one off, he is getting he gets closer to the mid twenties in target share and closer to the mid twenties in targets per route run. And if that is where we're going to get George Kittle, and if we're going to get an opportunity for you know multiple touchdowns as we have every week with George Kittle, I'm gonna I'm gonna be very interested in George. Kittle. I love that. I think that's a great idea. I probably should have thrown it in myself, but at least I left it open for you, Ray. Ray, okay. I was so glad that you were able to join me this week. Um, I've always wanted to do, I mean, we kind of sort of did a, a show together uh, that you finished the show on, uh, uh, you know, uh, in a sick bed. Absolutely ill. Uh, exactly. Yeah, I, I, I normally only have that effect on women, uh, but, um, you know, anyway, I really appreciate you pinch hitting for uh, Ryan this week. Remember, uh, anything on our site, 50% off. Use the code Halloween. It ends on Halloween. And that's enough of scaring you for this week. And Ryan and I hopefully will be back together next week. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>